0: You're listening to 3 and 30 Takeaways for Moms, episode 171, Becoming a More Emotionally Resilient Mom. Welcome to 3 and 30, a podcast for moms who want to create more meaning in motherhood. Each 30-minute episode will feature three doable takeaways for you to try at home with your family this week. I'm your host, Rachel Nielsen. Thank you so much for being here. I can think of almost no other role in this life that requires as much emotional resilience as being a mom. Being resilient means to be able to withstand or recover quickly from stress and challenges. And our roles as mothers gives us plenty of opportunities every day to practice this skill. From enduring a whiny toddler hanging on your legs all day, to discovering upsetting texts on your teenager's cell phone, to trying to meet a work deadline while also managing all of the moving parts of family life, to having a child scream at you that they hate you at the end of a long day, sometimes motherhood feels like a never-ending exercise in patience, grit, and self-control. One thing I know for sure is that the more emotionally resilient we become as individuals, the easier it will be to handle all the ups and downs of motherhood. And the good news is emotional resilience is something that we can develop more of and get better at over time. Today's guest is Dr. Jen Ridey, a mom of six with a PhD in human development and family studies. She's the host of the Vibrant Happy Women podcast, and her mission is to help busy moms get off the hamster wheel and find balance so that they can be their best selves and love their lives again. Due to her mix of academic expertise and personal experience mothering a large family, Jen is uniquely qualified to teach practical tools that bridge the gap between research and real life. And I know my conversation with her today will help you to assess how you're doing with your own emotional resilience and give you a few practical ideas for how you can develop in this important way. Before we jump into that conversation, I'm excited to tell you about two incredible companies that are sponsoring the podcast this month. First, do you know what hand lettering is? It's that beautiful modern calligraphy that you may have seen friends do for decorative quotes, place cards, chalkboard art, or special correspondence with friends and family. Maybe like me, you've admired their beautiful handwriting and wondered, how does she do that? (laughs) Well, our sponsor this month, Hand Lettered Design, can teach you how to create this stunning hand lettering through their step by step workbooks and online workshops. And more than that, every product from Hand Lettered Design is created to infuse more mindfulness and gratitude into your daily life. The words and phrases that you write over and over in each word book to practice your hand lettering are affirmations and messages that were carefully chosen to elevate your mindset while you gain a new skill. Whether or not you consider yourself to be naturally artsy, I know that Handlettered Design has a workbook that is perfect for your level, and you can get 10% off any of their products, including their best-selling creative lettering bundle for beginners with the code 3M30. Go to handletterdesign.com to check out all of their amazing products that will help you to build your emotional resilience while you're learning a fun and relaxing hobby. And don't forget to use the code 3in30. Our second sponsor is BetterHelp, the world's largest provider of therapy done 100% online. In today's episode, you'll hear me talk about some of my experiences in counseling, and I want you to know that I cannot recommend therapy highly enough, especially for mothers who are trying to manage their children's emotional needs in addition to their own. Through my years of counseling, I have learned tools that make me much less likely to lose my temper with my kids or to worry excessively about them in situations that I have no control over. And I have been so grateful to have a confidential place to talk through many of my parenting struggles with my counselor. Therapy is an incredible tool to help you build your emotional resilience, which in turn will mean that you're better equipped to teach your kids how to build theirs. If you feel like you might need counseling, but you're hesitant, nervous, or embarrassed to invest in yourself in this way, let me assure you that going to counseling will be a gift to your entire family. As you get stronger, so will your family. BetterHelp is so convenient for busy moms, and you can get 10% off your first month by going to betterhelp.com slash 3 30 That's betterhelp.com slash 3 and 30 And now onto the show. This is How to Become a More Resilient Mom. Here we go. Dr. Jen Ridey, welcome to 3 and 30 podcast.
1: Thank you for having me, Rachel. I love what you're doing, and I love these quick, actionable tips you're giving uh, women and moms. So cool.
0: Oh, thank you so much. Yes. We love taking action on these kind of these big, heavier, or what seems more complex topics, if we can just kind of boil it down into some concrete things to do, it's, it's so doable for the busy mom. And I love that you're going to do that today with the topic of emotional resilience. And before we start, can you just describe or explain what is emotional resilience?
1: Yeah, emotional resilience in the
0: end is having the ability to handle
1: any emotion or any situation without completely falling apart. Yes, we can have moments where we fall apart, but hopefully emotional resilience really means you process through the emotion and with experience and and time, you can get back to that homeostasis and that happiness that you want to have more quickly as you practice uh, moving through the emotions that are less comfortable, like fear Anger, frustration, resentment, all the things we've all felt over the past year during the pandemic, of course.
0: Yes. And I do feel like it's something that you, when you're looking for it, you can sort of sense it's growing within you. If you're if you're working on it and you're looking for it, just the other day, I had someone kind of give me some feedback on my parenting. and at, And as I was in the moment, I was thinking, when I was a young mom... I, this would have destroyed me to get yeah. this feedback. Yeah, And it yeah. was interesting for me to almost observe myself as I was getting that feedback thinking, this isn't hurting my feelings. I've become more emotionally resilient where I can see the truth in what she's saying without it breaking me. And I can also say, mm, she maybe doesn't have the whole picture and mm-hmm. it's okay if she's wrong about me and my kid and it's all going to be good. Like I walked away from that experience feeling like that didn't hurt, like it didn't affect me in a way that it would have when I was younger. So I'm getting more emotionally resilient with more experience and work on myself.
1: Yeah, and part of that, you you know yourself, you know what's true. So her words weren't everything to you. You could consider them without letting it destroy you, like you said. Yeah.
0: Yes, for sure. We're gonna talk about today, how as moms we can build more emotional resilience to face the daily struggles and stresses of motherhood. And moms can take these three tips that they're applying to themselves and teach it to their children so that their children become more emotionally resilient as well. Mm
1: -hmm. So I'm so
0: excited to dive into this. And why don't you just start with your first takeaway? Yeah, my
1: first takeaway is to practice what I consider the new definition of self-care, which is holding space for yourself. So we all know the importance of self-care doing the things that help you feel more emotionally juicy and more emotionally vibrant instead of brittle and burned out and exhausted. So let me explain what it means to hold space for yourself. In the coaching and therapy world, we've all heard of holding space. It means you kind of create an emotional container for another person to examine their thoughts and their life and their emotions. So what would Mm -hmm. that look like for each of us to do that for ourselves? So I like to create an analogy of an attic filled with stuff, a big filled cluttered attic. So there's a pile of newspapers, there's a pile of magazines and toys and old clothes and right in the middle of this dusty cluttered attic is a clear, empty Rubbermaid container and it just mm-hmm. draws your eye and holding space is kind of like creating that for yourself amidst the busyness of your life and your kids coming in and needing things and your spouse, not handling the parenting the way you want, or your child having an emergency or misbehaving or a tantrum to be able to say, this is a space for me where I'm going to listen to how I feel. I'm going to understand what I'm thinking and kind of observing, like you said you were doing for yourself in that moment when the other person critiqued your parenting. So
0: Mm -hmm. instead of
1: thinking, oh, I I need to wake up and do my exercise and drink water and journal, it's all need to, need to, need to. What if we just treated self-care like, hey, right now I'm going to give myself emotional space to understand Mm -hmm. what I think and what I feel and what do I want to process today?
0: Yes. What a beautiful analogy to think of that cluttered attic and saving a little bit of space in there for ourselves. Or, you know, uh, in our busy, big cluttered house, our bedroom is our haven where we know we can shut the door and hold some space for ourselves. And we need to do that emotionally in our lives. And I feel like it's, it's such a beautiful image to do it for other people, that we hold mm-hmm. space for our kids, for their emotions, but we don't often do it for ourselves. So what does it look like practically to hold space for yourself?
1: Yeah, you nailed one of the key parts for me is to have a space where you hold space for yourself. Mm -hmm. So some people... My friend calls it a she space, by the way. It's kind of fun. Um, A chair where you like to sit and you're thinking or processing. For me, it's my bed. I have a beautiful down comforter that I pull up. And because I've processed emotion and analyzed my thoughts and experience there so often, the minute I get into that space, my brain knows to signal that rest and relax um, response in my body and knows that I'm safe. So it's really mm. easy to do emotional processing when you train yourself to do it in a space. So, mm. um, yeah, having a space and then having a time when you go there. For me, I go there multiple times a day, especially when I was virtual schooling <laughs> my mm. five kids who are still at home. You feel that stress and cortisol rising, rising, rising. And you come to a point where you're like, OK, got to release this. The, the tea kettle's about to boil. I got to let some of this go. So mm. holding space to let it go.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It just reminds me also of the idea of like having margin in your life where everything's not so pumped, packed up against each other. Like you're going from activity to thing, to thing, to thing, but leaving some of that white space to just feel. And yes. I've been trying to do that more in the evenings Like, Mm -hmm. no work after my kids are in bed. It's my instinct to fill that time. But I've just been trying to read, hang with my husband, just kind of hold that space for myself to be a human.
1: Yes, yes. And, you know, there are various things you could do with that space. Some people choose to scroll through Instagram. But -hmm. coming back to the empty Rubbermaid container, just to have a few moments where you're not putting anything else in that empty container but yourself and not bringing in the Instagram or the Netflix scroll, you know, but to breathe what's going on in my body. What am I thinking? What am I feeling? What happened today to process and move it? You know, emotions yes. are really energy. And if we let ourselves feel them and pay attention, they'll move through rather than kind of get stuck in our nervous system.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that leads us really well into our second takeaway. So can you introduce that to us?
1: Yeah, my second takeaway is to practice the feel it to heal it method. So once you've created this space, you do feel it to heal it. So what is that? Well, feel it to heal it is used in all kinds of therapies and sometimes coaches use it. But here are the steps of it. You get calm, often with deep breathing. I like to kind of cue people or myself when I'm doing this to drop out of my head and get back into Mm -hmm. my body. So Mm. if those who are listening now, just put your hand on your heart and take a couple of deep breaths, you'll notice a shift right there. It's so fun to signal, okay, we're going to pay attention to our body again and not just spin and spin and spin in our minds. And then you just notice what sensations are you experiencing in your body? What's going on in there? Oh, my Mm. stomach, or I feel tightness in my throat, or I feel rage in my belly. When I'm feeling uh, sadness, I'll often feel it in my heart area. And if I'm paying attention, I will notice I'll kind of contract and become smaller as if I'm almost physiologically protecting my own heart. Mm. And feel it to heal. It starts with noticing the sensations in your body. Then number two, giving it a name. So, oh, feeling resentment. I'm feeling determination. I'm feeling worry. Give it a name. And then third step, you just stick with the feelings. So if I were helping someone do this and I do the same thing for myself, I'll kind of teach you that method. Say, okay, what am I feeling? Tightness. Oh, I'm mad. Oh gosh. Okay. And I'll see images in my mind. I might see little fire looking beings jumping up and down and throwing a tantrum. I might see red, I might see blackness if I'm experiencing depression. And you can ask yourself, you know, what are the five senses? What do you see? What do you hear? If that had a texture, what would it be? Just try to stay with the emotion. And mm-hmm. you'll notice over time, it starts to dissolve. Well, this really is an important skill because I tried it with my oldest who has severe suicidal ideation. He is on the spectrum. He's had depression since he started puberty and it, it has not shifted and it's awful and sad and it's been years. But he calls me because they have the skill and he'll say, mom, I need to move through an emotion. <laughs> so I'll say, okay, mm-hmm. buddy, tell me, what are you feeling in your body? And he won't be able to say the name of the emotion. That's harder for him, but he'll say, I see blue. Okay. Tell me about it. Is it, is it flat? Is it moving? Is it textured? It's flat. It's just blue. Okay. Stay with it, buddy. What's happening now? Oh, well, it's like there's little black things like rising up into it. He's just describing the feelings in terms of visuals for him Mm -hmm. that works. And it's so fun because when he's talking about black or blue, you know, That kind of corresponds with what you would think depression would look like. And then he'll start moving through and he'll get to like, it's, it's red now. Oh, interesting. Tell me more about that. Well, yeah, it's like red and it's moving kind of like a river and he'll keep going and then he'll get to yellow. And I know yellow is somehow more of a positive emotion for him and all this just because I held space for him. Mm. So we can do it for ourselves, hold space to feel And heal and then teach our kids to do it.
0: Yeah. Oh, what a cool exercise and how powerful that you can do it for him and with him. And like you said, we can do it for ourselves. Mm -hmm. So many women don't even recognize in their bodies what they're feeling. And I'm totally guilty of this as well. I've talked before on my show about how I am someone who is very, very much in my head. And it's taken therapists saying to me, "Okay, but where is it in your body? Like, come back into your body and feel it. And Mm -hmm. Because I want to process it all up in my head, probably because it feels safe to stay up in my head than to actually come down and feel in my body.
1: You know what's interesting? Our left brain, the Broca's area, is responsible for language. And a lot of times we'll try to process emotion just with language. But -hmm. if we can drop into the body, we're using more of the right brain, the intuitive, the emotional. And if you can talk about it, that's great. But if you can feel it as well, you're going to process through emotion and develop way deeper emotional resilience more quickly. You'll get skilled at this. You'll be able to do it more quickly. You'll be able to help your kids do it. And it's simple. Just remember, ask them, what are you feeling in your body? What's going on there? Then listen, reflect it back. Oh, you're seeing blackness. What else? Stick with it. You've got Mm -hmm. this. If you were to shine a flashlight under there, honey, what would you see? Everyone can do it. I promise.
0: Yeah. And when you mentioned the five senses, I think going through those and tapping into those can be really powerful. I've known this concept of how important it is to feel your emotions since I started going to therapy about 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. And yet it's hard for me to, to actually know how to do it. I'm sometimes like... Okay, do I just lay on my bed and think, I'm here, sadness. I'm ready to feel you like come right. get me. Right. You know, like what do you and and I've heard to allow yourself to make the sound that you may be feeling inside, which mm-hmm. might be like moaning in pain. And these are things that we are too inhibited to do on a daily basis. But when mm-hmm. you hold space for yourself and you're alone and you say, I'm really going to go through my five senses and I'm going to make the sound and I'm going to think about the color and I'm going to cry if I need to, and I'm going to feel it all. Then that's when those emotions can kind of actually dissipate and leave our bodies and move through us. Right?
1: Exactly. And another kind of side tip with this is our brains are smart. They're thinking 60 to 80,000 thoughts a day, only presenting 10% of those to our conscious mind. I don't think we realize our brains give us these uncomfortable sensations so that we will pay attention to what's Mm. going on there and allow it to move out of the nervous system. And if we Mm. ignore it, problems happen. We all know what can happen when you stuff your emotions. Eventually, it's going to break free in some really disastrous and traumatic way. And we'd rather keep processing it as we go so we recognize we can handle any feeling.
0: Yeah. And it may come out in, you know, an outburst of emotion in time when you'd rather not have that or screaming at your kids or something, but it can also stay inside and physically you can get sick from Mm -hmm. unprocessed feelings and emotions. And I've, I've had a lot of weird health things over the last 10 years. And in the last few years, as I've become more emotionally resilient and I've learned how to process emotions, a lot of those things have kind of mysteriously resolve themselves. (laughs) Isn't that fun? I love that. It is. And like, I look back and my doctors are like, well, there's really no reason why you suddenly went into remission from this thing. And I'm like, maybe it's because I'm a lot happier and a lot more emotionally resilient because I'm Mm -hmm. processing emotions and not just stuffing stuff or Mm -hmm. keeping it all in my brain anymore. So, and I'm naturally more of a skeptic. I think I'm kind of like, you know, this kind of a lot of this stuff might be kind of woo woo. But as I've embraced it and started to live it, I've actually seen the results in my life and in my health.
1: You know, there's a book called The Body Keeps the Score. I forget the Mm -hmm. author, but this is all really, really science based and brain scan based. And they, they know this stuff by studying Vietnam vets and the trauma and PTSD that they experienced in it's all very real and the techniques ha- have worked. There's deeper techniques like EMDR therapy for those who have had a severe trauma to work with a therapist to move and process strong, strong memories out of your nervous system. Mm-hmm. Um, EFT yeah. tapping is another way,
0: yeah. Mm-hmm. I've heard of these and I've, I've heard of The Body Keeps the Score so often and I've never read it. So I need to actually get that on my list. Cool. So for the like kind of logical skeptic in me, it's sometimes good for me to actually read the science behind it in order to convince myself that it's okay, that I'm not a weirdo for laying there and moaning in my sadness in my bed. Yes. Well, (laughs) it's absolutely true. This stuff. And why is it that you think that we resist certain emotions as women, especially? Oh, well, we live in a society that since
1: the onset of television, at least has taught us that you should only be happy. And Mm. June Cleaver was only happy. I mean, she woke up and had her pearls on and her A-line dress. And we don't live in a society currently where it's it's celebrated to take that space for yourself to feel and talk about it. I think it's changing. Millennials are excellent at this. Generation Z is excellent at this. And I'm Gen X. Um, We're getting better at it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. 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 And I just this morning was thinking about my very first experience I ever had in therapy. The therapist had given me a deck of cards that had all different emotions on it. And she told me to sort them into piles. And she didn't care how I sorted them. She said, just sort these. I want to see how you sort them. And so I started looking at them and I decided to do three piles. One was good emotions, Um, one was Emotions that aren't good, but every once in a while you have to feel them Mm -hmm. and it's okay. And then the last pile was emotions that are bad and it's never okay to feel them. Wow. It would be interesting for me to go back and look at what I had put in those three piles. But I remember the counselor trying to talk through with me, well, why did you put those in those three piles? And it's just so interesting that throughout our lives, we do internalize as children and growing up what emotions are okay, quote unquote and what are not. And we really try not to feel the ones that we think are not okay.
1: Mm -hmm. And you know what helps me with this? There's a a scale out there created by, I think it's David Hawkins, called the Emotion Scale. And he likes to talk about emotion in terms of energetic vibration. So he would say that the lowest vibration emotion, which would also be the most awful and uncomfortable, is shame. And then Mm -hmm. you move up through... I can't say them all in perfect order, but you move up through worry and depression, anger somewhere kind of in the middle, because anger often pushes us into action to change something, to set a boundary. And then you Mm -hmm. go on up. And of course, we all know love, joy and peace up at the top. The highest vibe emotions are where we want to return. So having the scale is important when you're feeling low. You can just say, "Okay, my vibration has shifted. If I stick with my feelings, do my feel it to heal it, it will shift back. It's going to move through these emotions on the way back up, just like my Mm. son moved from black to blue to, and then eventually to yellow. I could hear in his description that he was moving back into the higher vibe emotions, even though he didn't know that. So Mm. that's really helpful for me.
0: Yeah. So interesting and, and so helpful to someone, like I said, that maybe feels more logical for them to understand uh, intellectually, what is happening, that they're moving through these emotions and then allow it to happen in yes. their body.
1: Yes. Instead of resisting with too much time on Netflix or Instagram, or a lot of people go for the wine, you know, or the sugar, we're just numbing yeah. and trying not to feel it when we do those things.
0: Yeah. And I shame myself. I shame emotions and I shame my shame. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Versus just saying yep, I'm feeling this and eventually I'm going to move back up through these vibrations like you described and yeah. and just looking at it without judgment of what I'm feeling.
1: We all feel shame. So why judge it? It just is. Yeah.
0: Yes, absolutely. And then what is your third takeaway for how we can build more of this emotional resilience?
1: Yeah. So we've held space, tip one, and then takeaway two, feel it to heal it. The third one is kind of to protect your positive energy by creating healthy boundaries. And we all know the Mm -hmm. importance of boundaries, but I think a lot of us don't know exactly what it means. So I have this really clear-cut definition that I want to share. So some people hear Mm -hmm. this and they resist it, but everyone just feel into it and see what you think. My definition of a healthy boundary is saying that I'm responsible for my thoughts, feelings, and actions, and not responsible for the thoughts, feelings, and actions of another person. Mm -hmm. So many of us falsely believe that a healthy boundary means we're going to demand that people respect us and they clean the house and they don't get to say that or act like that. But that's really not it. A healthy boundary is you changing your response to something that makes you uncomfortable or gives you an emotion you don't love, such as When you say these words, honey, I'm going to shut the door and be separate from you until you return to more positive words. Or Mm -hmm. um, when you fail to unload the dishwasher, well, I then have to hire a housekeeper because I can't do everything in this house. What are you going to do being responsible for your thoughts, feelings and actions and not trying to control or manipulate someone else's thoughts, feelings and actions? In the end, they're responsible for their thoughts, feelings, and actions. So what do you think, Rachel? Like or dislike?
0: (laughs) Like like so much. And I think you're right that we misunderstand that. We think it's like, well, I'm not going to let you talk to me like that. Mm -hmm. Well, you actually can't change the way someone else talks to you. So instead saying, if you talk to me like that, this is what I will do. I will walk away. That is a boundary. And I recently saw a post on Instagram it was actually from a therapist who said, set boundaries with your family before you get together with them for the holidays. And her example was send them a text and say, here are some guidelines that would be helpful for me. No diet talk, no politics talk, no religion talk. <laughs> and and when I read that, I thought, I don't think that's a boundary. That's no. trying to control other people. And a few people commented and said, My family would think I was so controlling if I sent this text, you know, Yeah. yeah. and the more I thought about it, I commented and responded and said, I think it would be texting your family and saying, hey, I've been doing a lot of inner work and I need to protect that or however you want to explain it and just say, if politics, diet or religion come up, I want to let you guys know that I'm going to be excusing myself to go take a walk. So you're setting the boundary up front, what you will do if those things come up, as well as I think by giving them the heads up, they may avoid those topics, but you're not saying you will not talk about these things in my presence, which is pretty controlling to say that to someone.
1: Yeah, yeah. Totally. I agree. What are you going to do when you don't like how a situation or a person or words are draining your energy or shifting your emotions? You get to protect and preserve your energy and your emotions however you want.
0: Yes. And another thing that has helped me a lot in the last year learning about boundaries is realizing that boundaries don't just protect us. They protect other people from us. Oh, yeah, sure. (laughs) You know, so like I think I always thought that setting boundaries was maybe like a I'm taking care of myself type of attitude, you know. (laughs) I'm going to set these boundaries to protect myself. And then I realized that, no, when you have good boundaries, you're not going to lash out at people. You're not going to resent them. You're not going to get drained. And so thinking of that protective boundary as not only protecting you but protecting other people Mm -hmm. I think has helped me – Feel more permission to set boundaries because I realize this isn't just all about me. This is about others too. And how does this go back to this overarching topic of emotional resilience? How will we be more emotional resilient when we have good boundaries?
1: When you have poor boundaries, you feel justified in being upset by another person's actions. You allow all of these people and situations you can't control to bring you down, lower your vibe, you know, your emotional vibration down into those anger, worry, fear, frustration. It's knowing where you end and that you are responsible for how you think,
0: feel and behave. Yeah. Well, this has been so insightful. And I think you're absolutely right that these three takeaways are really kind of pillars of becoming more emotionally resilient, being able to hold space for yourself, to feel your emotions and Have healthy boundaries to protect yourself and others from you. Um, (laughs) And if listeners want to hear and learn more from you, you have a wealth of information. Where would you like them to go?
1: Yeah, come subscribe to my podcast, Vibrant Happy Women. We talk about all of these things.
0: Okay, great. And you've been doing it for years. How long have you been podcasting?
1: Since 2016. So five years.
0: Yeah. So there's so, so much there that people can go and dive in. And thank you so much for your time today and for all your work. Thank you, Rachel. It's been fun. What a fabulous conversation with Dr. Jen Ridey about how to build our emotional resilience as moms. The night after I recorded this interview, my husband Ryan and I went on a date and I was telling him about this conversation and how it helped me realize that perhaps the biggest thing I want to teach our children is how to be emotionally resilient. Because if they have these skills, they will be able to withstand whatever challenges life throws at them and remain true to themselves and their values. The best way to teach our children how to be emotionally resilient is to develop it within ourselves and then model it for them. But I also think we can have explicit conversations about these three takeaways and consciously help our children to develop these abilities within themselves. So by way of recap, these were our three takeaways. First, practice holding space for yourself. This may sound like a bit of a nebulous concept, but I love the simple way that Jen defined it. She said, it's giving myself space to understand what I think and what I feel. We can hold space for ourselves by not overfilling our schedules, by creating a personal spot within our homes that's kind of like a retreat that we turn to, or developing a meaningful journaling or meditation practice that just gives us the chance to metabolize our experiences and learn from them. I love that Jen pointed out that holding space for yourself is true self-care. Second, feel it to heal it. The best way to process emotions is to stick with them, as Jen said, Or in other words, stay in your body and notice them, name them, envision them, and breathe them in without judgment or overthinking. If you'd like to dive more into this concept, I'd love to remind you about the episode I did with my counselor a few weeks ago called How to Heal Your Relationship with Food This Year. We talk all about how to get out of your head and into your body, and I will link that in the show notes. And third and finally, create healthy boundaries. This is essential if you want to protect your ability to stay resilient. You have to know what you need emotionally and how to guard it, as well as know what is not your stuff to handle. Boundaries are what you will do to protect your needs, not what you expect others to do. Because as Jen said, I am responsible for my thoughts, feelings, and actions and not responsible for the thoughts, feelings, and actions of another person. I'm grateful to you for being here and for learning and growing with me. I know that as we become more emotionally resilient, we will become happier mothers with more ability to stay patient and grounded, even through the many ups and downs of parenting. As always, I'm rooting for you and thinking of you, and I hope you have a great week with your family.